morning and greetings to each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. Like many of you, I've uh, struggled with a cold this past week, so hopefully we can get through this without losing my voice or something. <clears throat> so my last message I preached um, just after Christmas, I talked about the gift of life that God has sent us and how even though we were in a sinful state, God sent his son as a savior to die on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins. But the beauty of that is that God isn't just looking for us to get saved. And so this morning, I guess my message is maybe a little continuation of that in that God has a purpose and a mission for those who choose to follow him. Jesus wants to do much more for us than just to save us. He has given us a mission. So for this, our text this morning, I will be turning to 2 Corinthians 5, and I will read the whole chapter, but we'll be focusing mainly on the end of the chapter for our text this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is in heaven, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we should not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon the mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the same self thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that we, whether present or absent, we might may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one that may, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust are also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves unto you again unto you, but give you occasion to glory. On our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, 
not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So as you probably gather from the uh, message title, my subject this morning I'll be focusing on is we as believers in Christ are ambassadors of the Almighty God. And so if we just think about the role of an earthly ambassador for a minute and how that relates to the life of a believer. You know, the United States sends ambassadors to other countries. And that the ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat to the host country and a personal representative of the president. He is in standing in place in that country as a representative of the president of the United States. The duty of the ambassador is to represent the interests and the policies of the United States, not his own interests, but the policies and interests of the United States. Benjamin Franklin said, the qualities of a diplomat are sleepless tact, unmovable calmness, and a patience that no folly, no provocation, no blunders may shake. So we can see here that to be represented for a country, you must have a character that has a lot of self-control and a focus on the mission at hand. An ambassador must at all times keep the big picture in mind and not get distracted by minor things happening around him. And I think we as believers can take a lesson from that. But as we look at our text today, I'll be focusing um, mainly on verses 17 through, through 20 there. And as we look at verse 17, I will be looking at three points of a heavenly ambassador. And the first one is that they have transformed lives. Now, a heavenly ambassador has a life that has been transformed. And I love the wording here in verse 17 where it says, If any man be in Christ. And isn't that an amazing promise? Anyone here today, anyone that is walking the face of the earth, can be renewed in Christ. You know, there's no exceptions to that. You know, there's a cry for equality among all people. And unfortunately, in our natural and sinful state, we do and we do see and experience inequality. But here Christ gives us the answer for inequality. Repeatedly in Scripture we read how that God is no respecter of persons, and God receives all that come to him. You know, even the Old Testament times where the Israelites were God's chosen children, he still chose to accept those who were not of the children of Israel. Rahab would be one example of someone who came in. Ruth was also another Example of someone who joined the family of God, even, even though they were not from the chosen tribe of Israel. God is always willing to accept those to come to him with a heart of worship and serve him. You know, if we are to be ambassadors of God, we, if we are to represent who he is, we cannot allow partiality to be a part of our lives. And this is one of the most, one of the important principles in his kingdom and if we are to represent him, we must display the characteristics of his nature. You know, anything other than that is not of God. 
This is also evident in James 3.17 where it says, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and hypocrisy. You know, this verse here in James is helpful in discerning what is God, what is from God and what's not. You know, as we're faced with varying temptations, situations that come our way, we can look at this and put it to the test. Does it pass this test of being pure, being peaceable? And then lastly, that it doesn't have partiality or hypocrisy. The ambassador of God must promote peace, gentleness, mercy, good fruits, and that needs to be done in a spirit of equality and authenticity. And if we look at the verse here prior to James 3.17, we see what is not of God. It is a very sharp contrast to the verse we read here in James. It is the opposite of what we find in Scripture. As we move on there here in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5, we see the words, in Christ. You know, when we are in something, we are hidden something, we lose our identity. And our identity is changed to reflect what we are inside of. And as, as I was trying to think of an illustration of this, my mind went back to the years that I served in the Dundee Fire Department. You know, when I was working a fire with Dundee Fire Department, it was not me, Lauren Hostetler, working the fire department. You know, Ken and Josiah are also part of the department. It's not Ken or Josiah working. You know, it's not an individual member working at that emergency or at that fire. It's the department working together, supported at times by other departments as needed. You know, when you're on the scene, you're also inside your protective gear. And again, you lose your identity. You know, you, you're not able to tell who's who, except maybe like the chief wears a white helmet or the captain wears a red helmet. But for the most part, you lose your identity, and so you have to have a, a tag on the back of your coat with your name on so you know how to identify each other. And so there again, you're losing your identity for the good of putting out the fire. You know, and also as you lose your identity within that department, as you're working with neighboring departments, you carry the reputation of the department with you. If you see um, like a Penyan or a Watkins Glen Fire Department member on the scene, there's automatically um, a reputation that comes with that person. Not every not every person exactly, but you know, in general terms, you carry the reputation of your department with you. And so that's how it is when we are in Christ. We are hid within him, and our identity becomes Christ. We are no longer our own. To be in Christ, we must follow the example of our Lord, who, made the perf- who was the perfect representation of God wants us to live. We see in Matthew 16, 24-26, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone wants to come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will benefit even man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? You know, we must do as Jesus did and come to the cross and allow our old, carnal, sinful man to be crucified and died so that we could be raised a new man in Christ. And as we come back to our verse 17 here in our text, we see that as we allow ourselves to dwell in Christ, he makes us into a new creation. 
when the power of Christ works within us, we will not be unchanged. You know, we can't receive Christ into our lives and remain in our sinful state. Christ will make us into a new person. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3.3 that unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, this step is essential to becoming a believer in Christ. We cannot be part of the family of God if we do not allow the power of God to change us into a new man. Colossians 1.13 speaks of the amazing work God has done in the life of the believer. It reads, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? When we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he takes us from the bondage and the power of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.19 also says, For it pleased the Father that in him should be all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be in heaven or things in earth, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your, in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreproachable in his sights. That verse spoke to me in a way I had never had before. You know, we were his enemies. We were enemies of God, and now we are his ambassadors. And I believe that there is no greater miracle known to mankind than the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to change the most wretched sinner and enemy of God into an ambassador for his kingdom. It paints an absolutely amazing picture here. Jesus Christ can present those of us who believe and receive cleansing from our sinful ways by his death on the cross before God, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Isn't that amazing that we can stand before Almighty God, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable? It just absolutely amazed me as I meditated on that. How can we, as broken, sinful humanity, ever dream of this? You know, to stand in the sight of God, as this verse describes, it's only because of Jesus' willingness to take our punishment on the cross that we have this opportunity. And as the following verse tells us, we must continue in the faith and be grounded and settled in the gospel. Galatians 1 tells us that there is no gospel other than this one. Paul says in verse 8 and repeats in verse 9 that anyone who preaches any other gospel than the gospel of Christ is under the curse of God, even if it was from heaven. That there is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, coming back to our text for today, not only does Christ present us holy and unblameable before God, but we are changed from enemies to ambassadors. So that's the first point I want to share. And the second one is found in verse 18, where it says, All things are of God. And so a good ambassador does not represent their own interests. And so as ambassadors of, of God, we are not representing our own interests. The good ambassadors of earthly countries, uh, you know, don't travel to foreign countries <clears throat> to represent their personal interests, agendas, and welfare. But they live in the host country to the, be the best representation of their home country, the country that sent them. And we see this example displayed by our Lord Jesus Christ. He did not do his own will, but he did the will of the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, For I am come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. 
even when things that God had in store for Jesus were very difficult, Jesus was willing to lay down his own will for the Father. And we'll be looking at that in some of our Sunday school lessons as, you know, going forward here. You know, in Matthew 26, 39, when Jesus was agonizing in the garden the night before his crucifixion, he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So we can see here, even Jesus, the Son of God, didn't do his own will. The will that the Father had for him was very hard. He didn't want to do that. Now his human, in his human flesh, he didn't want to do this, but he knew that that was the will of the Father, and see, so he surrendered to that. So, as, you know, Jesus wasn't here to represent his own will, but the will of the Father. So we must do the same. In Ephesians five and six, the Apostle Paul shows us what the fruit of the life, fruits of the believer's life, will look like, and it's a life of purity, sound speech, worshiping the Lord, harmonious marriages, and cheerful submission to each other. And as he speaks to the servants in those chapters, he says, We're not to do this for the praise of man, which is our own interest, but to make other men or to make other men happy, but this is the will of God. There again we can see what the will of God is for his ambassadors. <clears throat> and you know, as we as we live out the principles of God, we need to keep in the forefront of our mind that we are doing this for God and his kingdom. We let the results in his hands. He will take care of the rest. When we trust that God's principles work, we simply live them out and let the results up to him is when we find true rest and peace in God. In Matthew seven twenty one to 23, Jesus had some sobering words to share with us. And these words are right after he presented the Sermon of the Mount. He, again, there lays out the principles that he wants for his ambassadors. These verses read, Not every man that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Here we see that God isn't looking for great professions. He's not looking for amazing works. He's not looking for us to fight evil. What he's looking for us to do is to live out the principles he laid out for us in the Sermon on the Mount. And the verses following what he said there is the verses where we get the song um, about the wise man and the foolish man. He says the wise man that built his house upon the rock is the one that lives out the principles that he taught in the previous chapters. And the foolish man is the one who ignores them and builds his life on something else. So as ambassadors... For Christ, it is very important that we are in tune with Scripture, that we are in tune with the will of the Father, and that we can know what His will for us is. And as heavenly ambassadors, we must be devoted and loyal to our heavenly King and build on the foundation He has laid for us. You know, we can't expect to be a successful ambassador for the King if we neglect the principles that He has for His kingdom. You know, an ambassador that is doing the will of his leader is also aware that he is living in a foreign country. He, we are aware that we live in a country that is not our home. And we can see this in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 12. 
I'm going to just turn to that and, and read that. First Peter 2, 9 through 12. Starting verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that sh should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are the, are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul." having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Here the Apostle Peter is again speaking to those who have chosen to believe on the name of the Lord and build their lives on the foundation that he has laid. They are part of the household of God and separated unto him. As it talks about a holy nation, holiness it gives the idea of being separated. And this, this verse brings that out clearly. As a holy nation, we are set apart unto God. And those who live according to the principles that Jesus and the apostles taught are going to be a peculiar people. And they will not assimilate into the kingdom of the world. But notice what the what the intent of this is. It is for the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is so that honor and glory is bestowed upon our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We are not simply receiving the gift of salvation for our own sakes, but our changed lives are a testimony for Christ. And the change that happens in the life of a believer brings honor and glory to, to the Lord. As the children of God, we are part of a separated kingdom, and Jesus confirms that in John 18, 36, where he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. You know, if God's plan was to have a victorious earthly kingdom, Jesus would have urged his followers to fight in the scene of the crucifixion. But that was not his plan. His plan was much greater than that. And so he explains this to Pilate as he faces being crucified on the cross. You know, and as an ambassador that is loyal to his home, home, he also will not represent the interest of another country. Paul encourages the young man Timothy in this, in 2 Timothy 2. I have this in the ESV because I, I really like the way the ESV brought it out. It says, share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits such, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he complete, competes according to the rules. So the ambassador does not get entangled with the affairs of his host country. We don't expect ambassadors from other countries to participate in the governing of our earthly kingdoms. And so that's how we as ambassadors of God are. We need to not entangle our th ourselves with the affairs of this world. You know, all earthly kingdoms will fail. There will come a day when all nations will come to an end. You know, even this country, the United States of America, will one day come to an end. So if we put our earthly efforts into earthly kingdoms, our work will be in vain someday. But all the work in the kingdom of God is not in vain. The kingdom of God will stand a test of time.
So let's use our short time on this earth wisely and always remind ourselves as Jesus did in the book of Matthew. You cannot serve two masters. To serve anything other or besides our Lord is idolatry. So that brings us to our third point is found in verse 20 where Paul says, As though God did beseech you by us. The ambassadors of the heavenly kingdom bring restoration. And this is the third and last point I want to look at it. God uses frail, broken, sin-prone humanity to be his earthly representatives. You know, why doesn't God send somebody that's perfect to the earth to represent him? But instead he's chosen you and I to represent him. Followers of Jesus Christ are the only physical representation of God that the world can see today. So we have a great responsibility as his ambassadors. This is a quote I came across. It says, So for the rest of your time here on earth, you're not just here for your own plans or interests, but you're representing heaven to those around you. As a matter of fact, you're the only real sample of heaven most people will ever see. What they know about God working in people's lives, they'll get from watching your life. Pretty scary? Maybe. On the other hand, it means you're not limited to your resources because you're not out there representing yourself. Since you're representing God's government and his abilities, you have access to all the best that he has to offer. Remember, your whole mission is to give people a sample of what it is to have God at work in a person's life. So each one of us as God's ambassador is a testimony of the work he can do and broken, sinful people. And as a God's ambassador, it is vital that we humbly come to God and acknowledge that our, of ourselves, we are not able to be the representation that we should be through the power. But it's only through the power he's bestowed upon us that we can do his will. You know, and I th- believe that the impact that we can have is much bigger than we can ever imagine. And we see this in Ephesians 3, 20-21. It reads, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Notice here that this verse is not singular. It says that we as believers. It's a unified effort in the church, working out the will of God. The glory comes from the church, not me working on my own. You know, when we come together and work as a unified body, we bring glory to God. It's not of ourselves, but by the power of Jesus Christ. So the challenge is, we can't do this on our own. We need to be a part of the church, working together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we surrender ourselves to Christ, first of all, and then to each other, we, can be, we will be amazed at the work he can do in our brokenness. Galatians 6, 1-3 also shows us another way we can bring restoration. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think he be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. When we see our brothers and sisters in Christ stumble and fall spiritually, it's our duty to come alongside them and help them in their time of need. When they are struggling under load that life, the loads that life has brought upon them, we need to come alongside them in compassion and reach out to them. 
you know, but in order for this to happen, we also must be a sharing people. In James 5.16, we are encouraged to be open with our fellow believers. <coughs> and as we open up to each other, it says in, in James 5.16 that as we confess our faults one to another, we can find healing. Our church communities need to be a haven where we can find healing and restoration. You know, when someone shares a struggle with us, help them find victory, your response to those situations can drastically change a per- person's perception of the family of God. In Matthew 5, or sorry, 25, 31-46, which I'm going to turn to, also gives us a picture of how God wants his ambassadors to be working and relating to those we live among. So I'm going to read Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. It says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall all shall be gathered, all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. <clears throat> And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto him, them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father. <coughs> Excuse me. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, and fed thee, and thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto me, unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he also say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in a prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, and saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to the least of these, <coughs> Excuse me. And you did it not to me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, <clears throat> but the righteous into life eternal. Now here we see that Jesus again reminds us of what he wants us as his ambassadors to be doing in our time here on earth. We are to be <clears throat> loving and caring for those who need around us. And this world is very full of needs today, and we have many opportunities to minister to those around us. And this, this, this um, ministry of Christ actually works so well that the early church in Rome, I've heard it said, they were ministering to the poor and the sick, and the pagan priests were actually encouraged to imitate the early church Christians because they were so successful at ministry. And unfortunately, it seems the other, today it's the other way around. We are imitating the world in the efforts to minister to those in need. 
So this was just challenging to look at these scriptures and see what God has in mind for his ambassadors. But the opposite is also true. As we look at these scriptures, we see the challenges that Jesus has for us, the principles um, he has laid out for us. The opposite is true is that we, if we do not live out the principles of the kingdom of God, we can be a, a big hindrance to, to the furtherance of God's kingdom. And an example that came to mind as I thought about this was one of the interesting things I learned when it um, comes to contamination, you know, I worked in, the, in our cheese-making room, and, and uh, you know, you think about all the ways that the food could get contaminated or, or contamination could come in. You, you know, it might be flies, it might be rats getting in your plant or whatever. But it's actually myself. You know, that was kind of an interesting thought, that we, the human factor, are the biggest contaminant when it comes to food processing you know, I thought about that as I thought, of, thought about this. You know, we can also be the biggest contaminant when it comes to spreading the gospel. When I misrepresent Christ, when I misrepresent his, his kingdom, the principles he has for us, we cause much harm to the kingdom of God. And as I thought about this, I recently read um, a book Gary Miller wrote called Reaching America. And in there, there was some sobering statistics. It said the recent, the results of a poll taken <clears throat> that asked Americans whether refugees should be welcome into our country. You know, after we just read Matthew 25, that should be a, a clear answer for us what our, what our responsibility is. The results of the poll are pretty saddening, though. Only 25, 25% of white evangelicals believe that the United States has a responsibility to those refugees. In contrast, 65% of religiously unaffiliated citizens felt that the U.S. had a responsibility to these hurting people. This means those who do not profess to know Christ are twice as likely to reach out to a foreign refugee as the one who claims to follow him. That statistic is pretty sad to me that those who do not profess to know Jesus are twice as likely to reach out to a refugee. So I think we have some work we can do as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. But I believe with the power of Jesus' name and with the aid of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we can be ambassadors <coughs> that we represent the Almighty God well. In closing, I have a story I'd like to share with you about a man who was an ambassador for Jesus Christ. The story starts out as Jacob DeShaver was born November 15, 1912 in West Staten, Oregon. On December 7, 1941, while peeling potatoes, Jacob heard the news of the attack on Pearl Harbor over the radio. <coughs> he became in a rage, shouting, Japan is going to have to pay for this. And at the time, he was an atheist. He joined the 17th Bomb Group, who were a special volunteer unit formed to attack Japan. After intense training, they set out on a mission to drop bombs in Japan. They were successful, but on their way home, they ran out of fuel and were forced to land. Jacob was captured by the Japanese the next day and be became a POW. He was in camp for 40 months. 40 months, 34, the 34 of these were in solitary confinement. 
Excuse me. He was severely beaten and malnourished while three of the crew were executed by a firing squad, and another died of slow starvation. During his captivity, Jacob persuaded one of the guards to loan him a copy of the Bible. Although he only had possession of the Bible for three weeks, he saw it. He saw it as saw its message as the reason for his survival and resolved to become a devout Christian. His conversion, including learning a few words of Japanese and treating his captors with <coughs> excuse me, he treated his captors with respect, which resulted in the guards reaching, reacting in similar fashion. After his release, the shaver entered Seattle Pacific College, where he studied to become a missionary. Eventually, to return to Japan with his wife Florence in 1948. I'm sure I'm going to butcher this name. It's a Japanese name, and I, I'm not sure, but I'll do my best. The, the story switches to a Japanese man. Mitsu Fuchida was born in ja Japan on December 3, 1902. He entered the <coughs> Imperial Japanese Navy, Naval Academy in 1921 and discovered an interest in flying. He was just shy of 40 years old during the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. When he took off in the observer deck of a torpedo bomber that day, he probably never imagined he would spend much of the rest of his life in the country he set out to destroy. Commander Fushida was in the lead plane of the first wave of bombers that hit Hawaii that day. He was the overall tactical commander in the air and led the attacks that destroyed American air power on the ground and crippled the Navy's battle force. Battleship Force. A quote of his says, As the smoke began to billow and the proud battleships one by one started tilting, my heart was ablaze with joy. He also went to lead, on to lead attacks on the British and Australia as the lead commander. When World War II was ended, he left the Navy and converted to Christianity after reading a pamphlet written by Jacob de Shaver. He was converted by the pamphlet, but was astonished upon meeting the shaver a few latest later. He called the meeting his day to remember, referencing the attack at Pearl Harbor. The experience with Jacob de Shaver never <coughs> the experience with Jacob de Shaver changed him from a bitter, disillusioned ex-pilot into a well-balanced Christian with purpose for living. After his conversion, Fuchida toured the United States, the country he had so hated, and also Europe, as a traveling missionary regretting the loss of life he inflicted during the war. <clears throat> and just some of my thoughts here. De Shaver was a true ambassador for his heavenly king. His carnal weapons failed to bring peace, but allowing the Prince of Peace to be the Lord of his life helped him bring lasting pe peace between two bitter enemies. So my challenge to you today is, be a Jacob the Shaver and be an ambassador for Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <coughs> Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we bow before you this day. <clears throat> Thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people to worship you in your house. Thank you that you have taken us from your enemies to your ambassadors. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to represent you here on the earth. And I just pray that you would give us the wisdom, the strength, and the integrity to do that well. And just pray you would bless the remainder of our day. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. You have a song, Dwight? <clears throat>